Imagine a world without the Amazon rainforest, a world without its lush canopy, its vibrant biodiversity, its life-giving rivers. The Amazon is the world's largest rainforest, covering around 40% of the South American continent alone. That's spanning 6.9 million square kilometers. That equates to 2.27 million square miles. This means that the Amazon rainforest is approximately over half the size of the USA, and 17% of the Amazon rainforest is gone. That equates to something bigger than the state of Texas. And that's all been happening within the last 60 years. It's hard to fathom a massive amount of forest gone. Yet this is the reality we face if, together, we don't take action to protect this vital ecosystem. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Leila Salazar-Lopez, the executive director of Amazon Watch, an organization dedicated to safeguarding the Amazon and its inhabitants who are the indigenous people. Leila is a passionate advocate for environmental justice and a tireless champion of indigenous rights. She's on the front lines of the fight to protect the Amazon and her insights are invaluable to anyone who cares about the future of our planet. We invite you to dive into Layla's world, learn about the challenges faced by the Amazon and its people, and discover how we can all contribute to its preservation. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and a little shocked by the realities of the Amazon crisis. This is Good Viral, and you're about to hear a story that will change your perspective on the Amazon and our role in protecting it. Thank you for listening to the Good Viral Podcast, and welcome to the conversation. Can you uh, start us off by sort of telling us about the the heart and the mission of your organization? My name is Leila Salazar Lopez, and I am Chicana Latina um, from California. My family's from Mexico, and I'm calling in from San Francisco Bay Area, or also known as the Ohlone People's Territory, their original territory, which is now known as the San Francisco Bay Area. So I just Mm want to first let you all know where where I'm at. I'm sure, you know, there's there's people from all over the world listening. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hello to all of you. Um, And I am the executive director of Amazon Watch, which is a nonprofit organization based in the Bay Area, but international as well. Uh, We were founded in 1996 with the mission of protecting and defending the Amazon rainforest and our climate in solidarity with indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. Um, That's our our mission. And Mm -hmm. um, really, I mean, 25 years ago, that mission was critical um seeing how the the destruction of the amazon rainforest was increasing at that time we you know i'll I'll age and date myself i guess i'll say but at that time we would watch national geographic we you know we would read news articles and hear about you know the fires in the rainforest or the deforestation of of um, you know hardwoods from the Amazon, um, and that in and of itself was horrible and shocking. Uh, when I first went to the Amazon rainforest in 1995 and saw my first oil spill, um, I mean I couldn't believe that there was even oil in the Amazon. I couldn't wow. believe that there was 
um, that these resources, um, the blood of Mother Earth, as the indigenous people call the oil, um, was being extracted in this way and drilled and dumped in the way that it was. This was 25 years ago. Um, Unfortunately, now it's even worse. And so our work right now is more critical than ever. And it's compounded. Why? Because, you know, at that time, scientists used to say that the tipping point of the Amazon, so the point of ecological collapse of the Amazon rainforest would be when deforestation uh, and degradation of the forest would reach about 50%. But now that, um, that has been greatly reduced. Now the scientists are saying at 20, 25% deforestation and degradation, the Amazon can reach a tipping point. And unfortunately, um, because of the deforestation before, because of the degradation of the land in the forests, um, by industrial development, by oil extraction, by mining, by deforestation, and um, whether it's legal or illegal, by many different um, threats, um, the Amazon rainforest is now at a tipping point. So when we used to think, oh, the tipping point could be near, um, we need to do something to stop the destruction of the Amazon rainforest and indigenous people's territories. Um, unfortunately, it's a lot closer than we think. And, you know, why is this important? Why is this important to, um, to the listeners and to the world? Well, you all probably know that the Amazon rainforest is the largest and most biodiverse tropical rainforest on our planet. It is, it is comparable to the size of the continental United States. That's how big it is. Um, And so there's billions of trees in the Amazon rainforest, but as each tree falls and each forest forested area falls, that um, that reduces rainfall around our planet. It reduces rainfall, not only in the Amazon, but it reduces rainfall across the continent of South America. And even reduces rainfall and snowpack as far north as North America, right here in California. Our rainfall and snowpack is dependent on the weather system created by the Amazon rainforest. So it's, it's, uh, it's not a stretch to say the deforestation of the Amazon, the destruction of the Amazon is directly related to our drought, our climate um, crises that we're facing right now um, around the world. So we need, if we want to, we're all concerned about the climate and we want climate justice. Um, And to do that, we need to, we need to protect the forests and to protect the forests. We need to stand with the peoples who have been protecting the forests and defending the forests for thousands of years. And those are the indigenous peoples and also the traditional peoples who, who have been living in the forests for, for hundreds of years um, and decades. So we stand with the, the indigenous peoples, the traditional peoples and the frontline communities who are 
defending their forests, um, not only for themselves, but for all of us. You know, one thing I that really put into perspective for me and perhaps for our audience and listeners here is when you said the rainforest is roughly the size of the United States. And then you go on to say that 25% of that being, you know, taken away is the tipping point. And so I just imagine 25% of the United States being taken away, you know, and I was like, that is a huge amount of landmass. And um, so just kind of wanted to put that out there for our listeners to kind of put this into their own imagination of what that really looks like and how that really is a huge scar on the rest of the world. And here in Colorado, in the United States, you know, we're a source of water for a lot of states, including California. We actually ship a lot of our water, well, however they do that, but you know, they divert a lot of water to California. And even our snowfall has been greatly impacted due to the climate issues and obviously from the rainforest deforestation. So that put a lot of perspective in my mind because we had crazy fires just two years ago that wiped out huge amounts of communities, indigenous land as, as well, national forests, you name it. And, um, and that could have been prevented to a degree, at least, if we had not done what we have been doing to the rainforest. And so I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Um, to you specifically as, you know, so we can relate a little bit more to our audience and our listeners as to why did you decide to join um, this this program and this organization? What, what drew the call for you to join this specifically? And what has, um, what transformations have you seen while being involved in it? What drew me to the Amazon um, and then eventually to Amazon Watch and this being my life path to work as a defender of the Amazon and indigenous rights, um, started with a high school Earth Day presentation. Um, uh, when, when was this? 1991 um, was a, uh, we had a guest speaker at our high school um, that gave a slideshow about the Amazon rainforest. And that was the first time I had seen anything like that. Um, I mean, I have, you know, I grew up in Southern California. My family would go on road trips. Um, we would go camping. You know, we saw, you know, we traveled to Yosemite National Park. And so I'd seen big trees, um, but had never um, seen anything like the photos um, of the massive Kapok trees and the, um, the monkeys. And, you know, just so I think that 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 probably resonates with a lot of people, right? Like seeing the tropical rainforest, seeing these images of this majestic um, and immense forest. And so I, I saw that slideshow and I was like, one day I want to go there. And I asked, um, I asked uh, Mike McComb, who was the founder of the Hachimsacha Biological Station in Ecuador. I said, can I volunteer there? And he said, we have a volunteer program. You should come. You're welcome yeah. to come. And so a few years later, when I um, was a university student, um, I, had, um, I had to do an internship. And I said, I'm going to the Amazon. I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this is what I've wanted to do. I want to go. Um, I had heard about the deforestation in the Amazon, so, and I heard that this um, the volunteer program focused on reforestation and and um, and also studying um, medicinal plants. And that was initially my interest was reforestation and um, studying um, the plants of the Amazon. And um, 
And I did that. And that was one of the best experiences of, of my life. It was a life-changing moment um, to really, to be able to walk in the forest for three months uh, with indigenous peoples um, and have them point out every plant, its property, its name, its scientific name, its local name, um, you know, was just breathtaking. And it, I think it took me back to um, things that my grandmother had said, you know, and, and done when, when, um, when I was a child and she would, you know, show us plants um, on walks and plants we could use for different medicines and, and, you know, to eat. And it reminded me of my grandmother, um, but at a exponential level these people were walking libraries and are, and that was this opening of, you know, you know, what my grandmother had said when we were children, you know, she'd always said, don't ever forget, don't ever forget that you're, you're Aztec. She would say to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we were children, you know, we, you know, we we just relied on what our grandmother showed us and taught us. Um, But what she was really saying is, don't forget about the indigenous ways. Don't forget about the indigenous knowledge. Um, and that was this moment of, wow, they are, they are the ones. They are the ones who, who you know, have been protecting. These are the people who have the knowledge and they, they also need to be protected and defended. Mm-hmm. And um, that became kind of the, 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 the the connection to um, working with indigenous peoples. Um, but then also the, um, I saw an oil spill, a massive oil spill on my way home. And um, that seeing the oil gush out of the trans-Ecuadorian pipeline um, with no immediate response um, really ignited a fire in my belly as an activist to want to do something. And I, you know, I just couldn't believe that this was happening. And so it just, I started to ask the questions, you know, how, you know, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? And, you know, there were, um, you know, of course, obviously the indigenous peoples for decades had been, um, defending their territories and warning about the threats of oil development on their lands. Um, You know, I'd learned that Texaco um, had entered the Ecuadorian Amazon in the early 1960s and gotten free reign to drill and dump on indigenous people's lands without their consent. Um, It is what we now call the rainforest Chernobyl. What Texaco did in Ecuador was, um, was completely egregious, um, disrespectful of both the indigenous peoples' um, lands, their human rights, and um, and the laws and the rights of nature, because they basically saw the Amazon rainforest and northern Ecuadorian Amazon as um, free reign to drill and dump, and um, and the results of that oil development still show today. The results of that that um, that oil development 
set a precedent for how oil development should be done in other countries. Um, and, and now, um, you know, have also set uh, a precedent on how, on what we um, are trying to prevent, right? We are, you know, we've seen what Texaco, now Chevron, did in the Ecuadorian Amazon. We saw what Occidental Petroleum did in the Peruvian Amazon. We've seen what um, oil and extractive projects have done across the Amazon rainforest, and it cannot expand and it cannot continue. Um, and that's why we say keep it in the ground. That's why we say no further extraction on indigenous lands, no further extraction in the Amazon. Um, so, you know, just to fast forward, I mean, at that time, I didn't know about Amazon Watch. Amazon Watch didn't actually exist yet when I first started going to the Amazon. But I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life to uh, for justice, for justice for the people who were wronged. Um, and harmed from this destructive um, industry. Um, and then also um, work for justice, work for corporate accountability, um, but just but also to work for the protection, ultimately to work for the protection of the Amazon rainforest. Because um, I think ultimately when we, you know, get fire in our belly or we, you know, we believe strongly at something, it's because we also love something. We also respect something. And for me, it was um, the love and respect for the forest and for the people who defend the forest. And so in um, 2002, I had the opportunity to, to join Amazon Watch as a campaigner to um, start a campaign to hold Chevron accountable. Um, and uh, I um, very proud of the work that we did initially to, you know, mobilize the you know local national international community and amplify what um the voices of the affected peoples um and then also put the pressure on chevron and ultimately in 2011 chevron was found guilty um chevron was found guilty of their um destruction of the ecuadorian amazon um and charged um with um a fine of $9 billion, but they have yet to pay it. Hmm. They are still fighting. Um, they are fighting uh, not only the ruling, but they're fighting the people who defend that ruling, the people who are affected, um, hmm. as we've seen with the case against Stephen Donziger. They're um, one of the human rights lawyers defending um, defending hmm. the, um, the indigenous and campesino communities in Ecuador. So I know that's a long way of saying how do I get involved, but that's um, the story is basically that, that traveling down there and I guess, um, you know, having that, um, that experience um, that summer as a student gave me the, you know, the love and, and respect and appreciation for the forest and peoples. And um, I've been committed Ever since. You know, I find this so cool because a lot of um, people in general, they it's just what they don't know what they don't know, right? And, you know, we I totally grew up in the era of printed uh, National Geographic and reading those as a kid and stuff like that. And um, but then growing up, you could say, seeing more of these documentaries of on the ground of what's going on, right? Where we have 
uh, oil drilling or oil spills and deforestation and et cetera, and everything that you mentioned in there, you start to learn what's really going on behind the scenes when you fill up a tank of gas. And you really start to see my choices have helped affect this, but I didn't know. And I know now. So what I choose from here is with knowledge. I'm thinking because in those days, uh, obviously what you saw with your own eyes, you felt a connection to the people, to the forest itself. Uh, but also in your lifetime, uh, which is a relatively short period of time when we really look at the bigger picture, uh, the, uh, you've observed personally uh, how the urgency has just increased and increased and increased. And, and of course, you know, the expression that people have heard is that the Amazon is the lungs of the planet. Uh, it's so important for, uh, for so many things, uh, like you were talking about the, for the climate uh, and also for the absorption of carbon dioxide, the production of oxygen, and, and just many, many things. And I know that uh, just to just to draw this into the conversation for for our listeners is that the that the people that are living there uh, are fighting to protect it but also you know for all of us it's it's extremely important the the uh, the biodiversity the animals uh, the insects everything uh, everything about the forest is important of course protecting the people is one of the most relevant ways to to actually be able to accomplish something and get something done but but i think the problem is just in this mentality goes back to like early european uh colonization where you've got the idea that that these people are are just uh, poor basic people that don't really matter and so these big big corporations go in and uh, or just people go in with the idea of hey we can just take this because there's plenty of it and there's no consequence there's no problem it's like when i was a kid you know um i'm about 50 years old now so when i was a kid the uh we thought you know that air was unlimited that that the ocean was unlimited right and and it's amazing that in my lifetime we've we've not only seen that that limit has been pushed but now that limit is pushed so hard with air and and the ocean and everything else that uh that now it's becoming uh, an issue of, of survival for uh, for the human species and, and thousands, of course, of, of other uh, animal species and, and perhaps uh, hundreds of thousands of species in general. So it's uh, so you've seen that in your lifetime, and uh, and and so you know I, I hats off to you and the work that you're doing. I, it's it, I struggle a little bit listening because. It, it's my my heart is a little bit broken because I feel like on one hand um, it's it's beautiful hearing the work that you guys are doing, but on the other hand I also feel like we there really needs to be like a, a global effort uh, because without that and 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 so this is uh, maybe if you can if you can share with us uh, some of the about the some of the results and the direct impact that you're seeing today. Uh, with some of the activities that you're doing, um, then maybe it'll inspire people to to sort of step forward and become more involved and 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 realize, you know, that this is something that is not just happening in some distant land, but it's affecting every single person everywhere they live in the in in the planet, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me sometimes. It's like. I mean, the news is so bad. Like, how do you just keep doing this every day? And, um, you know, it is something that, you know, every single morning um, I get up and I do this because I know so much is at stake. I have children. 
you know, and, you know, we were at home with the COVID pandemic while there was wildfires um, raging across California, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, when the sky was orange. And, you know, that, you know, that October, (laughs) October, 2020, um, I think was a, you know, a multiple crisis moment that I really, you know, when I think of, you know, could it get any worse? That was one of those days when you're like, wow, you know, like this is not the future that I want for my children. We have to do everything possible in our power (laughs) to turn this around. And whether that's the wildfires on the West Coast or the intentional fires in the Amazon rainforest, because the fires in the Amazon are not wildfires. They are intentionally set. And that is so sad. To, to actually say, um, but that's the reality. The reality is that the fires that raged across the Amazon rainforest in August, 2019, that's when the world kind of awoke to what the Amazon rainforest is on fire. Um, and we had been saying the Amazon rainforest is on fire for many years before the, that before those fires happened. And can you, is this, is this for grazing land? Is that what the intention yeah. was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why, you know, why did, why did it all of a sudden become like headline news around the world that the Amazon was on fire? Um, because it, it was a result of um, intentional fire days that were encouraged by the um, Brazilian government. By, that were encouraged by um, the Jair Bolsonaro administration. Um, Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil, has been for the last three and a half years. Um, the moment he took office, he gutted the environmental agency, gutted the indigenous people's agency, replaced them with pro-mining, pro-development um, administrators, and encouraged encouraged the burning of the rainforest and indigenous people's lands without their consent, of course, um, to make way for industrial agribusiness, to make way for cattle, to make way for soy. And so one thing that you can all do is not support those industries, to not, to not, um, you know, not support any industries that are connected to the destruction of the Amazon rainforest, whether that be Brazilian beef or soy or minerals or logs, wood or oil. And how do you know? How do you know if it's from Brazil or if it's from the Western Amazon? How do you know? Um, well, it's hard to tell. I'll just say that. But um a couple of things that we've been doing to you know, encourage people to respond and take action 
um, immediately after the fires, we um, we pointed to a report that we had released called Complicity and Destruction. And it was a report that we released um, a few months before the fires of 2019 um, to basically expose both the, the Brazilian government and its backers, the Brazilian government, the corporations, and the financial backers of these corporations um, who are incentivizing the destruction of the Amazon, who are funding and fueling the destruction of the Amazon rainforest. And so we're talking about agribusiness companies like, like Cargill and ADM and Bungie. We're talking about, and JBS, we're talking about um, banks and asset managers, asset managers like BlackRock and Vanguard and banks like Chase and Citigroup and Bank of America. These companies, these companies fund the destruction of the Amazon. They fund mining, oil exploration, oil operations. Um, Citibank is the biggest investor in um, in Amazon crude. And, you know, when I talk about Amazon crude, I'm talking about the oil from the Amazon, the oil that I saw spill um, and, and being dumped into the Ecuadorian Amazon. Unfortunately, oil spills happen every day to this day. It wasn't just one oil spill. It's decades of oil spills into the environment, into indigenous and communities lands. It's these, this um, crude across the Northern Ecuadorian Amazon has already damaged so much. And there are massive operations, not only where Chevron drilled, but also in the Yasuni National Park, which is the most biodiverse part of the entire Amazon rainforest. There's oil drilling there. And where does that oil go? Some of it stays in Ecuador and over 50% of what is exported comes to California, comes to Los Angeles, comes to the Bay Area. So the oil is being extracted in the Amazon. It's being shipped across the oceans to California, also to Texas and Louisiana, but primarily California. And it's being shipped to refineries where black and brown people live and are being polluted. And this is a vicious cycle of our dependency on fossil fuels and Amazon crude. So we are taking action. Um, we are, of course, standing with the peoples on the ground. But we're also standing with the communities here in California that are next to the refineries and saying, stop this expansion. Stop this expansion of continued drilling in the Amazon. Stop this expansion of Amazon crude coming to refineries in California. Stop expanding extraction from California to the Amazon. We're calling on the state of California to make a commitment to not bring in am any more Amazon crude, to not support this expansion. And we're also calling on the state of California to stop expanding um, 
fracking and any other form of oil extraction um, in, in the state of California to set an example um, because Governor Newsom um, and the state of California like to um, proclaim that we are climate leaders, but the, to be a real climate leader and in order to really reduce emissions, we need to get off Amazon crude and we need to fast track our just transition to renewable energy, to more local and diverse um, energy um, and transportation. Um, and we need to call on those banks to stop financing this destruction. So if you go to our website at amazonwatch.org, um, there is a button that you can push to take action and we have petitions um, we have actions you can take to end Amazon crude. We have actions you can take to, um, to hold the Brazilian government account accountable, to stand with indigenous defenders across, um, across the Amazon. We have petitions to, um, to call on these financial um, actors to stop funding the destruction of the Amazon rainforest. So we have many ways that you can take action. You can sign those actions there. Um, and you can support our work. Um, you know, for us to do our work every day to stand with communities, um, both on the ground in the Amazon, we have field teams in Ecuador and in Peru and in Brazil. Uh, we are on the ground with um, indigenous peoples and supporting their, their efforts, their um, resistance, their solutions. Um, we are with them. We also do our advocacy work, our campaigns um, to call on those that are complicit in the destruction of the Amazon to be accountable. Um, and, and then, you know, we do this kind of work, you know, to communicate and amplify this work around the world. Um, and so we also encourage you to, to support us by contributing and donating to our work as well. If, if you're uh, so moved and inspired to support this work. You know, especially here in the States and perhaps also in Europe, a lot of focus is on the Middle East with oil, right? And maybe even the Caribbean a bit with the oil spills from tankards. But we don't get a lot of press or a lot of information coming from Amazon oil. And I did not know we took that much oil into the United States, specifically into California. Like that was just astounding to hear that. And um, so just for those who are listening, right, is that we're we're being shown a lot of information when it comes to an oil crisis or an oil shortage from Russia right now, obviously, and then from the Middle East. But it's also a divergent to not paying attention to what's going on with the Amazon oil and crude oil. And so I feel like that's a really good thing to highlight is to when we see these images and we hear these words, Middle East and Russian oil, the question should also be what's going on with the Amazon and what's going on with the crude oil there, right? And what's happening with the indigenous cultures and the locals in those areas. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there for our audience to, to really consider when they see these headlines. I know that we have to, uh, that we have to wrap up. I'm going to turn this over to Anastasia, but I just wanted to get on my soapbox for a second there and encourage people, Hey, get active with Amazon watch, learn, 
figure out what to do that you can do because this is really not optional anymore. We really have to do things now. We have to learn. We have to stop treating it like business as usual, not only in our own lives, but also the companies that we're dealing with, who we choose to, to bank with, right? Who we choose to buy gas from or petrol or whatever. You know, all these little decisions that we're making, where we buy our food from, all little things that we are doing. And also people want to do more. That's what Good Viral always says, right? Is that we believe people can and want to do more. I know that our listeners believe that too. We can do more. So how educate yourself, get involved, be active with Amazon Watch, right? If I could just leave you with um, some, uh, wrap up with something more hopeful and just say <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, um, I did mention that the scientists said that, you know, we have about three years to turn, th- turn things around. Um, the indigenous peoples of the Amazon believe the same um, and, and believe that we can, we can turn things around. We still have time. We are reaching the tipping point. Um, we have reached the tipping point in parts of the Amazon and other parts. We are reaching it if we continue on this path, but if we can get support for um, protecting 80% of the Amazon rainforest by 2025, that will make all the difference. And so we need your support to get um, governments, corporations, financial actors to support the call to protect 80% of the Amazon by 2025. And so I also put in this link to this global call by indigenous peoples uh, to protect the Amazon and, you know, to protect the Amazon again is to protect our climate. And we need to stand with indigenous peoples who are protecting and defending the forest for all of us. Um, So um, we still have time. So keep the hope alive, but we need to take urgent action now. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you for the optimistic note. I, you know, the reality is, is, is in my heart of heart, I don't really believe that the whole world's going to change in three years to get this done. However, we have no choice. And so whether we screw it up or not, we still are going to have to do what we can do. So, so let's do what we can do. Let's, let's give it a shot. Let's take the effort. Let's take the action. Do what we can while we can. And just consider it to be part of our life. It's part of our responsibility of living here. Just like we have to clean up our room, we have to do the same thing for our beautiful planet where we live in, right? So, so thanks for that note of optimism because um, uh, because it's 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 tough to think about these things, but the reality is is that it's not really uh, it's not really somewhere in the distant. Uh, uh, in a distant continent, right? It's it's for for me here in Spain, for Anastasia in Colorado, for you in San Francisco, and for everybody in the world listening right now. Uh, this is affecting where you live. This is affecting your world and your life right there. And um, so, act like it. Thank you for listening to the Good Viral Podcast and being part of the conversation. If you are inspired by this episode, go to our website at goodviral.org where you can find resources and listings from the episode to continue good efforts. Like, comment, and share this episode to any or all of your social media channels. It's really easy to take a small action, and maybe you'll inspire a big result. When good goes viral, the world gets better.